Hello and welcome to a special Rewind episode of the Raise Your Game Show. I'm your host, Alan Stein Jr. If you're new to our show, each of the previous 12 seasons have had a different theme, a different format, and a different approach to unpacking and dissecting both individual and organizational performance. These Rewind episodes take a look back at some of my all-time favorite shows, in case you missed them the first time around, or in case you'd like to give them a second listen. I hope you enjoy, and more importantly, I hope this Rewind episode helps you raise your game. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Welcome to the Raise Your Game Show, a podcast that unpacks and dissects the strategies and principles of high performance in sports and business. Here's your host, Alan Stein Jr. In season one of the Raise Your Game Show, I went back to my vault and pulled out eight of my most powerful interviews ever. From the likes of Gary Vee, Kevin Durant, Mark Cuban, and Brad Stevens, and re-explored their timeless wisdom. In season two, I unpack the power of storytelling and take a deeper dive into 12 of my all-time favorite stories, six of which are signature stories I tell regularly in all of my keynotes, workshops, and trainings, and six stories which I've rarely told publicly before. I believe captivating storytelling is the most effective way to teach lessons and inspire behavior change. In this season, I hand-selected two good friends and colleagues to share their unique perspective on these stories and to get clarity on the application these lessons have in their areas of expertise. In this episode, I am joined by Kyla O'Connell, a top executive and senior partner at Asher, a world-renowned sales and marketing company. Kyla is a phenomenal speaker, sales trainer, facilitator, and executive coach. Kyla and I are going to unpack and explore my signature story, of meeting Stephen Curry for the very first time and why setting extremely high standards is vital to high performance and how this directly applies to effective sales and marketing. Let's take a listen to this story when it was performed live on stage during one of my 2019 keynotes. And I'll leave you with this thought. Uh, I opened up my talk with the Kobe Bryant Skills Academy back in 2007. What I didn't share with you was uh, one of the college counselors there was Stephen Curry. Uh, and even for people that don't follow basketball, Stefan's on that level now as a global icon that I think most people have heard of who he was. And if you do the math, in 2007, this was after his freshman year at Davidson. This was before he blew up on the scene. This was before anyone knew who he was. In fact, he was so unknown at this camp that the coaches didn't even call him by his name. They called him Dell's son because his dad played in the NBA for a dozen years and was a great long-distance shooter. Yeah, that's, that's Dell's son over there. That's Dell's kid. But what he lacked in physical stature and what he lacked in resume, he more than made up for in a few different ways. But the most impressive of which was at the end of the first workout. See, this was a mini camp. This was two three-hour workouts a day for four straight days, and they were incredibly intense. At the end of the very first workout, just based on proximity, we had never formally met or been introduced. He said, to me, coach, will you rebound for me? Because I don't leave the gym until I swish five free throws in a row. Swish five free throws in a row. 
For those of you that have never personally shot a basketball before, let me tell you, that is an incredibly high standard. A swish, by definition, is a perfect shot. It does not touch the rim, it does not touch the backboard. It gets its name for the sound it makes by going nothing but net. It is the standard of perfection. And he would not leave the gym until he swished five in a row, which means he could swish four in a row, hit a little bit of the rim on the fifth one, it still goes in, he's still mathematically perfect, he's still five for five, but that was not good enough for Steph, he would start over. And if memory serves, it never took him longer than 12 to 15 minutes to swish five in a row. Stephen Curry will go down in history as the greatest shooter that the NBA has ever seen. And it's not by accident, and it's not by luck, and it's not because his dad played in the NBA. It's because he's willing to hold himself to an unparalleled standard. And that is the thought that I'll leave you all with, that the standards that you set today They'll determine who and where you'll be tomorrow. That boy is good. That's right. He ain't lying. <laughs> and now Alan and Kyla will unpack this story and explore the most powerful lessons. So Kyla, my Stephen Curry story, which has been uh, my closer, and I know you're in sales, so you love closing. I mean, that's been my closing story. I think every talk I've ever given in the last three years, because I, I just love the, the lesson that, you know, you choose your standards, but your standards are ultimately going to dictate your performance and who you are. So when you did hear that for the first time, I know you've heard it a couple times now. Uh, what was your initial reaction or response? Well, um, Something that we are really, uh, you know, trying to make sure people understand as a training company is that repetition is the key to knowledge, mm. right? So whether that's intellectual muscle memory or actual muscle memory, mm -hmm. in his case, um, the more you repeat it, the better you'll be at it. Say what? Repetition is the key to knowledge, mm. right? So whether that's intellectual muscle memory or actual muscle memory, mm -hmm. in his case, um, the more you repeat it, the better you'll be at it. So that was how, um, and, and we always include reinforcement options as part of our solutions because there's no way that <laughs> we can come in for one day and train 30 people and then they just got it. Yeah, you know? of course not. So, um, you know, I, I really thought about just how critical reinforcement and repetition is anytime you want to be at the highest level of competency. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I mean, going back to sports, I mean, I think that, um, you know, there's a reason why I was a, an, a lacrosse player and attack player. And there's yeah. a reason why you practice that one goal a million times, Of course, because you want to hit it in a game. Right. And uh, you may hit it a million times in practice, but it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's preparing you for when you want to hit it in the game. And when you hit it in the game, boy, there's nothing that feels better. Of course. You know, and it looks easy. 
Anything, yes. anything that looks easy has been practiced a million times. Yeah. You know? Oh, there's all kinds of books on this, right? Well, 10,000 uh, hours. Or well, of course, and I know uh, before, you know, you're a huge Ravens fan and Lamar Jackson, and you had mentioned something before we started recording that you've seen him do some interviews and they've kind of, the, the reporter said something to the effect of like, boy, that looked easy for you. You know, you guys just beat him by 30 or you just had five touchdowns. And what was his response? Oh, that uh, these people, these these are grown-ass grown men yeah. <laughs> uh, trying to feed their families, I believe is exactly what he said. And they're trying to kill me. They're working as hard as I am. Yeah. There was nothing easy about this. The only way that I was able to do it is because of my offensive line is protecting me. We're a family. Um, you know, so there's nothing easy about anything that is done at that level. No, it just looks easy when you've done it for so many task specific repetitions in practice. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, you know, I, I, uh, I say this is the ultimate compliment to someone like Stephen Curry. You know, I know he's out right now with an injury, but if he was playing and he scored 40 points tonight, a novice would look at that and go, man, that's just so easy for him or he's mm-hmm. so lucky. And if you knew how many hours he put in, it actually makes that less impressive. And I, again, I don't it's say that true. as a backhanded compliment, anyone that makes, you know, millions of shots in empty gyms, should be scoring 40 points a night. <laughs> like that's the cause and effect and the result that we should have. Right. And those guys get that. And I think that's true in, in sales or in anything, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's somebody who repeats the selling skills and the techniques and, and all of the best practices that we teach um, every week, maybe sometimes two and three times a week. Um, to be able to pull it out at the right time in the right place looks, looks uh, you know, phenomenal to yeah. a, a customer. But um, to your point, I mean, I've, I've said it so many times, it's, it's just natural at this point, and I should be able to do it, right? I should, I've, For sure. I've studied these biases so much, I should be able to figure out when to use them in real life, you know? Yes. Um, but that's not the sexy part of anything, is it? Like, that's no. not what people, like, want to believe, and um, they want to think it's, it's that everybody's just... Um, a superstar because, you know, they were yeah. gifted or, or Or how can I shoot 95% from the line and not have to go in and make X number of shots every day of my life? And they're, right. they're always rather disappointed when you're like, no, that, that is the secret. And, yeah. you know, I, I know you're a big Tony Robbins fan. I, I know I had heard something that he said to the effect of, you know, if, if you want a better life, all you have to do is raise your standards. Mm. And it's something to have, you know, we were talking before too about you accept something or you correct it. Mm-hmm. So if, if things aren't going real well in your life, you're probably accepting a lower standard yeah. than maybe you should be. And we should all have higher standards and then obviously insulate ourselves with people that will hold us to those. Well, I mean, I remember when I first heard you speak, Alan, and you said exactly those exact words. <laughs> I think everybody in the room, including myself, was thinking of some area of their life where they're accepting less standards than they should be. And and that just, you know, resonates with so many people. And, you know, one of the basic, um, basic processes that uh, salespeople, especially when they start getting some success and they start getting busy, right? They have a couple of really good accounts and they're rocking and rolling, making some money, which is great. Uh, One of the things they stop doing is prospecting. Mm. And um, the elite salespeople like because they just assume it's going to keep coming in it's going to keep raining forever (laughs) um and the elite salespeople never take that for granted Mm. um just like steph curry with the you know the five swishes because um if you stop prospecting then eventually that well will dry up yeah and even if you create such demand for yourself at some point and and it, it might look different as you 
mature in your career. Right. Right. Um, it might be more about getting yourself in a strategic marketing situation or being a panel discussion yeah. you know, on a panel or, but so prospecting may look different as you mature and as you get uh, more uh, experience in, in your industry, but you know, the greats never stop. They never no. stop doing that. Say what? Prospecting may look different as you mature and as you get uh, more uh, experience in, in your industry, but you know, the greats never stop. They never no. stop doing that. Well, and especially in sales, I mean, depending on what you're selling, there's different lead times. I mean, I know in speaking, no one's calling me up and saying, Alan, would you like to give a keynote this weekend? Right. They're saying, are you available nine months from now? Mm -hmm. So if I'm not doing things to plant seeds that are going to get me business nine months from now, then nine months from now, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we have to always be forward thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's why, again, I, I just, I love your mindset and approach about always going back to training and yeah. you know Steph Curry and his standards are living proof of that you know if I want to be a really exceptional free throw shooter then I you know do five swishes before I leave the gym every day and this is not when I want to or when right. I feel like it or when it's convenient uh, I'm not going to skip out today because I want to go to a movie I'm going to make this a part of just what I do it's mm -hmm. simply what I do the, the keys to leaving this workout are I swish it five times in a row and that's a standard that he set. And I, I know that, you know, as I tell that story, it always reminds me, all right, what are the different standards in the different areas of my life? And true to Tony Robbins form, anytime I want to improve my life in any specific area, whether it's parenting or speaking, I just have to raise those standards in that area and then just do my best to live up to those every day. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think so much of what you talk about in your stories are so colorful um, and and describe things from an emotional standpoint, but there's also a tactical side to this too, right? For sure. And um, there's there's a wonderful book, I'm sure you, you're familiar with it, called The Compound Effect. Oh, of course, Darren yeah. Hardy. Darren Hardy. And, Brilliant book. Um, you know, that, that book beautifully illustrates the, the tactical uh, thing behind what Steph was doing as well, right? Yeah. Just... The little things every day. I know that it is very difficult to do what he was trying to do five times. Yeah. But to him at his game, you know, that probably seemed like a, a habit. It wasn't, For sure. you know. And the impact that that habit had over the course of his career is what's made him a superstar, mm -hmm. you know. And going back to Tony Robbins, I mean, he talks about this too, where, um, you know, if you hit, you could hit the go a golf ball just two millimeters different and be you know, in the way drink off. absolutely, way <laughs> versus off. right in the fairway. And I, it's, I think all of these things are beautiful illustrations of, um, habits and standards. And look, we've all hit the, the golf ball two millimeters wide. Um, but then what are you going to do when you realize you are a little off? You got to mm. self-correct. Right. So I think that that's important too, to not, um, always strive for perfection, just strive to do better. Yeah. Progress yeah. over perfection. Yeah. One part that uh, I rarely talk about when I tell the story and I never had the conversation with him, but I'm going to make an assumption that I'm pretty confident is correct is that he didn't start with five swishes. He mm. probably started a few years before that saying, I'm going to just make two in a row before I leave. And then when that became too easy, he had to raise his standard. Oh, uh, and then maybe I'm going to swish three in a row and keep leveling up because it's that old adage of, you know, what got me here is not going to be what's good enough to get me there. So mm -hmm. maybe 
two swi- and you know just speaking out loud maybe two swishes is enough to be a really good high school player yeah. but now you need three in a row in order to be a good college player but now if you're going to play in the NBA with the best of the best you keep leveling up and it also reminds me of the dangerous trap of not playing the comparison game because mm. when I would tell that story to high school basketball players <laughs> I would have to tell them I am not telling you to swish it five times before you leave. Right. In fact, if everyone in this room, you know, if I can't leave until everyone in this room swishes it five times, I will die in this gym. <laughs> so it's important for you to figure out what's appropriate level for you and then make sure that it's something that's challenging yet still attainable. And mm-hmm. then once it becomes too easy for you, then level up. Don't get complacent and content. Well, yeah. And I think also what happens to athletes as well as salespeople who don't ever reach the elite level is they, in, in both uh, kind of professions, uh, there are sexier things oh, that, of course. that come right with it. Um, well, I, I already have this large account. Now I can afford the big house and, you know, I don't have to prospect anymore because I have this large account. Um, well, okay. But then what happens when that large account goes away. Maybe yes. they were bought by a PE firm. I mean, I see this happen all the time. I bet. And I never, I'm always challenging salespeople to think about uh, how they were in the very beginning. You got to stay hungry. And again, it doesn't mean you do the exact same things because you don't right. have, maybe you don't have to do the exact same things. Just to your point, you do, you do things better, right? Yep. You're smarter. Um, you leverage your, your position in the industry. You leverage your network better than you did when you started. Yeah. But you don't ever stop doing that. You never stop leveraging your network. You never stop getting out there. Say what? But you don't ever stop doing that. You never stop leveraging your network. You never stop getting out there, um, branding yourself, um, you know, and, and those are oftentimes things that the elites do when they're not paid, you yes. know, and, and I will, That's why they're elite. Yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll tell people, uh, they're like, well, when, you know, there's I, ideal selling times in a day and, you know, whether it's like, you know, in the morning time, of course, in the early afternoon. Um, and people will say, well, and I, and I instruct them, I'm like, carve out things that are revenue generating versus yeah. non-revenue generating. Yep. And do the non-revenue generating things in your off time. And the, people look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, I mean, do you want to be a leader or not? Right. Like, I, I do non-revenue generating things when I'm in airplanes. Yeah. You know, I call it my net time. Um, because I feel like it's um, given to me. I can't do anything else in an airplane, right? right? I mean, I know you could get on Wi-Fi and, and, and work, but, you know, and I do that sometimes too, but I, I choose to like carve out times when I'm traveling for thought, for strategy, for, sure. for reading, or or to, <laughs> to do that report that I promised somebody at, at the office that I would do that I'm not going to do at 930 in the, after, in the morning yes. when um, I might be able to get in touch with people. Keep the know? main thing the main thing. Yeah. I always do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, uh, as we try to be all encompassing with this now, I always say with a laugh, you know, I'm amicably divorced. So I'd be the last person that should be giving any type of marital advice. Um, but it also reminds me, you know, when you find someone that's been married 15, 20 years and maybe they've hit a plateau, Mm -hmm. uh, things are getting to be a little platonic or stale. And, you know, I think, well, the first question I'd ask is, do you do all of the little things that you did when you were first trying to court that person right. and win their affection? You know, you probably not. You, no, <laughs> of course not. You know, you used to leave them a post-it note, you know, with their lunch saying, I miss you. And, yeah. and I understand that relationships mature and that sure. not everything is going to be identical. But if you used to do all of these little thoughtful things 
and things were going really well, and now you don't do any of those things and things aren't going well, mm-hmm. my guess is there's something there that's connected. And and that just reminds me of that when you say the reason the elite are the elite yeah. is they not only continue to do all of the basics and fundamentals they did to get them there, mm-hmm. they also continue to level those things up and raise those standards so that they can be better. But you can't ever leave that stuff. Yeah, and I think, I mean, going back, going back to relationships, it's, it's, uh, it's similar to prospecting. Like what you did in the very beginning of a relationship is not would would even be feel awkward to do 15 years in right like oh yeah but so you still but you still do the essence of it you show that you care just yes. it's maybe in a different so you way. show it in a different way right um yes you know and so <laughs> i just bought a car yesterday and i had to come down here not had to wanted yes. to come down here got to and <laughs> you got to come the, down here <laughs> i had the opportunity to come down here yeah <laughs> and speak with you and uh you know there's some nva things or dmv i guess they call it mm-hmm. uh things that needed to get done today and and my husband was like i got it you just go you know take care of it and uh i'm gonna meet some people out for my birthday later and you know like it's little stuff like that like when yes. we were first started dating it's not those types of errands, but no. those little acts of service, and that's his love language, which you know is everybody has their own for sure, you know. But to recognize, and I think that's important too, like recognizing um, when someone does something for you that 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 is a gift, Absolutely. right, and not just take it for granted. But for sure. Yeah. But going back to the same thing with prospecting, I mean, just the same the way you prospected when you started is not the way you're going to prospect when you're 20 years in, right. but you never stop. No, you just figure out different ways to do it. And it all goes back to what you mentioned earlier about habits. You know, I'm a a big James Clear fan and his book, Atomic Habits was one of the best books I've ever read. And, you know, Steph decided that he wanted to be a great free throw shooter. So he decided that, you know, in this case, swishing five times before he left was a habit that he was going to create. And he just does that part of what he does. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, literally where you and I are sitting right at this moment is an accumulation of every decision we've ever made and Mm. the habits that we have. I mean, and yes, there are always going to be some variances and things that we don't control that, that can kind of dictate that, but the, the habits are vital. And I, I, I'm a big believer in figuring out what the outcome is you want Mm -hmm. and looking at the process and the micro steps and the habits that are needed to be able to accomplish that. And many times people's, you know, the habits that they have are not in alignment with the goals that they set. You know, that's the uh, akin to the high school player that says, I want to play in the NBA, but I stay up late playing video games. I don't eat healthy. I skip the weight room. It's like, no, your, your behaviors and your beliefs are not in alignment, which means one of them has to change. Either you change your behavior and you get pro level habits, or you just give up on your dream and let your dream lower to the fact of this is what your behavior is. And that to me is, is a very eye opening experience. Anytime you push someone to that level and say, one of these two things has to change now, your behavior or your beliefs, which one? Yeah. You know, and I think that um, most athletes and salespeople are are naturally goal oriented, mm-hmm. um, and so sometimes what I'll do is I'll help them establish new habits by making a make turning it into a goal. Mm, right, I like that. So Speak I'll their say, language. right. So I'll say, okay, um, I want you to prospect in this, and I give them recipes for it too. I don't just say go prospect. That's annoying. For someone like me as a consultant, when a sales manager says, go make 50 calls. Well, nobody's picking up their phone today, right? Right. So, no, I give them recipes for that. And I, I, I show them techniques and, and best practices. And then I say, now it's uh, our goal is to do this, let's say, for uh, two hours every day. Yep. Because they already have other accounts that they're managing and whatnot. Yep. Okay. So 
at the end of the week, then you have to have 10 hours. Mm. So you can choose to do four hours a day. You can do one hour one day. For sure. But you got to get 10 hours in. And um, it's amazing when you just make something a goal. If that person's a very highly goal-oriented person, it becomes fun. Say what? It's amazing when you just make something a goal. If that person's a very highly goal-oriented person, it becomes fun. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They like the challenge. It's almost like a bigger picture approach to helping them establish a new habit. Yes. Yeah. So and it's kind of a way of almost changing the environment of what the way they're approaching it. You're changing their mindset and their perspective on how they're reviewing that. Now you've gamified it. We yeah. all know how important gamification is. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost it's like, fun. Yeah, yeah, I bet you can't get in 10 hours by the end of this week. And they're like, oh, I'll show you. Yeah. And now, now all of a sudden they're, they're driven to do it. Yeah. So I always look for ways to turn things into goals. When I see, I have the benefit through a personality assessment that we use that I can see their uh, scores in nine different personality traits. Mm. And that is huge leverage for me to be able to, um, you know, use the natural strengths that they have with yeah. their extremes to uh, help them establish better, higher levels of performance. Yeah, you're customizing a blueprint for them and a strategy that says, here's the things you do really well, so let's do more of that. Yeah. Here's so the things that you don't, so let's either get you some help or find a way to mask those, and now you perform at an off-the-charts level. Yeah, like if, if somebody has a really high, one of the traits is intensity drive. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if somebody has like an 80 or above, that's considered an extreme high. Mm -hmm. um, and there are strengths with having an extreme high intensity drive, just like there are strengths with having extreme low intensity drive. Those yep. people are very process-oriented. Mm -hmm. um, so if, if uh, a rep is struggling, maybe they have low assertiveness, then I'll give them again, I always give them the strategies to help them with their low assertiveness, but then I turn it into a goal. Mm. And and it's just a shift because I know that that's where their strength is. Yeah. So um, if I say, this is your goal now to practice this script, role play it with your manager, um, you know, the, the typical objections that you hear, I want you to be like scripted yep. with how you respond to that. So it comes across in a conversational way because someone with low assertiveness and they hear an objection, they, they will freeze or that they could freeze. Oh, for sure. Right. And then now they've allowed the stronger personality in the room to dictate where the conversation goes. So the strategy is we're going to script this out. Right. And if this is a common objection, then I want you prepared with exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. And then we're going to play, we're going to role play it just like actors practice. Um, because, when it happens in real life, my kids always say IRL, mom. I'm like, what's IRL in real life? I'm oh, like, I didn't, I didn't know that either. There's no other life. Yeah. This I'm, is it. I'm writing, I'm writing that down <laughs> just so I can be cool one day. I guess there's the digital life, whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I want them to be able to, in real time in front of a customer, when they hear that common objection, that low assertiveness person, if they're scripted and they've practiced it, yeah. comes out beautifully. That is, that's going back to the training. Yeah, it and does. You, you've practiced that play. But then so, I'm also leveraging where they have natural strengths and saying, okay, the, what's going to motivate you to want to practice this yeah. is you're going to turn it into a goal. If you'd like to read about this signature story, in my book, Raise Your Game, you can order a team set for everyone in your organization. I can even offer you a 40% discount and can sign each copy. And if you really want to raise your game, you should check out my new facilitator guidebook and team member workbook, two reinforcement resources to help guide your team to higher performance. 
Just visit RaiseYourGameBook.com or email me directly at alan at allensteinjr.com for more info or to order now. Well, that's it from me. I hope this has helped you raise your game. Let's raise the game. We're not afraid. Hello.